Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. It'd be good for this to be recorded. Certainly improves the ability of making this available later. <laughs> yes, that's for, that's for sure. And um, the one thing um, as a precursor, precursor to um, uh, to all this, you know, my story about me putting my Ethernet cable outside, outside of my uh, bedroom window, I have been trumped. Um, I've been trumped by my own pastor who um, needs to, his office is in his uh, outside garage. So it's a garage that's like kind of the other end of the garden. Um, so a smallish garden, you know, but what he does is he's got, he bought himself a 30 meter ethernet cable and it goes up like it's like a telephone wire, basically going across all the way up across to his um, conservatory. And then it goes through a window somewhere and upstairs somewhere. And it's, it's genius. That is good. I I am certainly looking for at the point this 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 working from home now also having uh, our family uh, is that this little quiet nook of the house that was a very great space for you know my wife with her piano, me with my office, and to have that available to us. The priority, like as a parent, you go right down the pecking order. Let's face it, you go right down the pecking order yes. as time goes on. Yeah. My my dream one day is still to have that garden pod as an office. But I have looked at all sorts of crazy ways of getting like power and internet to the bottom of the garden. Uh, and it would be like, you know, looking at armored cables and drilling through walls <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Um so yeah, I, I'm looking I'm looking at options. I'm just happy now to have a really good sustained mesh network in my house that means working from home means we all benefit from all of the power that's available to us mm. so uh which means i actually can sit in the garden and work um at either end of it and it's all good so, so this is where i don't really know what a mesh network is um what is a mesh network so one of the things that we found was is that we had dead spots in our house like many people who all of a sudden started working from home will have realized that the internet is great when you're browsing and when you're just doing bits and pieces and nothing's dependent on it, you know, apart from your child's Disney plus addiction. Um, so what happened was, is that we were discovering that we had dead spots that were now the most suitable areas of our house, where, which were also the areas that we had to work uh, because of making space available for everything else. Um, and I was like, oh, I looked at ways to extend my network and make it available elsewhere. And you could do that. You can add a repeater in and you can do bits and pieces. But you, they, they, they don't wholly uh, allow you to do everything that you quite need. And I looked at extending it over the power lines with one of those ones you plug in a plug socket. Oh, yeah. And, and it worked. But it meant when I had Wi-Fi, I had like, you know, my Wi-Fi name was Wi-Fi Lounge. And then I had like Wi-Fi Office. So if I oh, moved yeah. around the house, I had two networks. Yeah. That's really irritating. Yeah, because it swaps between the two. and that, yeah. yeah, and, it, you know, it doesn't, it, yeah, it, it's just really, really irritating. So yeah. 
I was looking at a mess network is a way that you put in devices at multiple points around your house. And normally in most houses, three points, give yourself a nice little triangle, couple downstairs, one upstairs, and they create basically your own mesh, like a, a cloud of internet for your house. But they yeah. work out all of the shortest routes and you can move around and pass between things with no reduction in, you know, no loss of uh, speed or connectivity. And it's all under one Wi-Fi name. Um, we put this in. And what we found was is that actually we had sustained internet uh, around the whole house and further now and across all of our rooms under one network name. But it's allowed us to do clever things like prioritize devices. So on the working day, I prioritize my laptop and I prioritize the use of my iPad um, because we don't need to prioritize things like uh, Netflix and those kind of things. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it always meant that sort of like, oh, no, no, no. If there's buffers or we have to wait longer for the TV to work because they're in a room watching a movie in the afternoon, that's fine. But my 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 work and uh, style of what we're doing won't be interrupted as a result. Um, and it's working really, really well. Look, this is products that even only a few years ago would have cost you the best part of a thousand pounds. And now you can pick up a really adequate set for most homes, most UK size homes. You know what I mean? They're like three bed, semi-detached yeah. kind of like properties. Like around a hundred pound. Oh well, so you, they, do you say can, the, they say the price of technology halves every eighteen months. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, and they used to say things like you know, Some like you know, the, the speed of chips and stuff doubled every eighteen months and stuff like this as well. Different laws that they've applied. I'm not sure if it's quite as applicable as it once used to be because in the time that that in the time that it takes for the reduction of cost to come down. We've invented a new technology, which is now riding yes. the wave. So what we do is, is that we don't wait for things to get cheaper in 18 months time. I don't want the thing that is 18 months old in terms of speed. Yes. I want the thing that's yes. now. Um, yes, that's true. Uh, well, here's, here's the, um, the interesting thing was I, was I was running some facilitation last night online and suddenly the Internet just says you're not connected to the Internet. I'm like, oh, um, you know, my service provider was, you know, saying, right, I might have to call them. And then my wife says, um, oh, no, sorry, I just un unplugged the router. Uh, so it turns out it, you can't do anything if the router's not plugged in. Um, and so that's what I learned. Lee, uh, what are we going to be talking about today? So today we're going to be uh, having a conversation uh, around getting our teams online. Now, that that's, takes many forms. When we say about taking your team online, um, this at this point in time, you know, for all of us during this like COVID period, that some, some of us that's been a sudden change and for others that has been something that you've already used to. Uh, but in going online, you know, what does it mean in terms of uh, the tools, techniques, policies and procedures, uh, the actual management of a team? What does all of that look like when we go uh, online? And before we talk about different software packages and apps that are available, uh, at Thinking Church, we're way more interested uh, and concerned with the thinking behind making that choice. Uh, Absolutely. And, like the, the choice itself is just the conclusion of a thought process. Uh, and the most dangerous thing to do is to dive straight into any kind of technology, uh, choosing software, choosing apps, without thinking through uh, what you need to achieve. Uh, Lee, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've all been in positions where um, we've jumped at using something and then future decisions are based in response to that 
initial choice and we we find out after a short while that it maybe doesn't quite do what we thought it was meant to do doesn't really serve the direction we're now going in and we find out that like how we were set up to assess that process and input the right uh tools wasn't wasn't thorough you know we've seen examples of this on a large scale but it actually counts on a small scale as well and particularly for people that do things maybe in a hurry you know this was quite reactive time for many um so we need to we need to be making sure that we've you know we've got something we can fall back on that's a thorough process to make sure that we've assessed this probably properly against key criteria um ensuring that we you know we do this well but let's face it more than that not everything that we do in person should be brought online into a virtual environment a bad meeting in person is still a bad meeting online potentially okay so we also want to like have a, a little bit of a chat around around that what what is that actually like so there's the things that we do in person some stuff translates really well really simply other elements of what we do need a bit more thought and then there's the tools and everything that go with it And when it comes to, to choosing software, I guess there's there's a, there will be a whole lot of factors that's going to come into play. And I'm sure for many people that, that are watching this, uh, they you know you don't know what you don't know. Uh, nice. So, Lee, let's just think about some of the factors that we maybe we, we need to think through. Maybe we haven't thought of uh, when you're thinking about okay, which apps, which software are we going to start using for for different things? Absolutely, and some things work fine and you know we might have already been using them let's face it most people these days will have had actually access to some level of online tool prior to this pandemic hitting um but things to take into account in the uk particularly as well as into the rest of europe we are used to seeing tools and things get advertised that we jump at and think that's a silver bullet it's going to solve these problems that my team or you know my company or whoever are experiencing at this time and then we find out as we dig into it a little bit further that it's not maybe internationalized and by that we mean you know the currency is always in dollars it doesn't allow us to do stuff in you know uh, in sterling or you know maybe that doesn't flex to you know where you operate that's a common one of you know sometimes that actually really matters for certain things that you might want to take online maybe less so with just stuff that's just like you know the chat apps and how we work with those but if you're starting to process finance or you're starting to talk about things that are more intricate or where you might actually have some level of governance or regulation that um governs what you're doing then you need to be certain that that's actually going to uh, you know fulfill your needs and your requirements further on and let's not forget everybody's friend from you know not that long ago gdpr now gdpr is this uh part of data protection it's all to do with you know where the rights of that data sit who who can process it and where it can be processed and everything's meant to sit with you know within within europe if you're if you're in europe um this is where this uh, actually applies um but actually it applies to anybody processing data as well and we found that some of the services that we really loved and really enjoyed to use didn't didn't align with these new uh new 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 um 
uh, new policies that were coming into in, into play. So we've got to be really mindful of um, our, our obligation, our duty, uh, wherever you are in your normal, you know, your normal operating area. Uh, for Chris and I, that is the UK. Um, and sometimes that even varies between England and Wales and uh, the rest of the uh, rest of Great Britain. So, you know, you just want to be mindful about those kind of things. Take into account, you know, what level of tech have I picked something now that is PC only, Android only, iOS only. We've all been in those situations where somebody recommends an app and we love it. And then we realize that, oh, that's iPhone only. You know, so the interoperating between operating systems as well is a really important thing. And then you've got the ongoing is it is it a general license? Is it uh, per user? You know, these things can escalate really, really quickly. It's nice and cheap at the beginning when you're only on, you know, two or three users. But if things scale, what's the impact and how does that affect you? Um, so data storage, ongoing costs, regulations and what applies to you, things like GDPR, maybe even copyright. Um, so you just want to take a handle on what that means. Um, most places now actually have documents that back this up and allow you to read them. Understanding them is um, something else entirely. But actually, they do actually make most of this available. And, you know, some of the common ones like GDPR are very well known now. and People tend to know they need to answer it. But let's face it, GDPR was already a subset of good data protection. GDPR should not have been a shock to anybody because we all should have had data protection in place. And this should have been a nice, slow step into it. What happened was it happened and we realized we didn't have some of the other background things in. So the ramp up was quite severe. Um, we don't want anyone to be facing a situation like that again, which is why we're having these kind of chats. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've all been on those kind of websites and uh, apps where it asks you to put your, your zip code in and then it doesn't accept a UK uh, postcode. And then you realise, hang on a minute, this is not going to work. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there are so many different factors to think through about w- when you're choosing the right software and but i think probably what we need to do first before we start thinking about individual platforms is to kind of like bring it all all the way back to okay what's the what's the purpose of these apps and this software and really it's you know if you think about a typical office a typical church office there are there's lots of things going on you know there are people working on projects there are people are filing documents uh, yeah. people are collaborating on ideas they're uh, communicating, having meetings. So all of these things are just like normal office activities. And these apps are just trying to replicate that on online environments. Yeah. Yeah. And we will be shaped by, you know, on, online is a different medium. You know, some things that you can do on paper, some things you can do digitally. That's the that that that's the difference. Some things will 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 change. We've there's been a big push anyway uh, for the kind of like you know this digital aspect in in the UK. We've all experienced that you know the latest one over here is making tax digital, um, and this kind of like push to get all of our accounting and finance into online platforms. So many people have already kind of embraced what that means in terms of finance and online banking, but you know still many things persist, and we end up with a hybrid, which is another thing that can happen. You end up with a bit of both. So it's like you need to know and assess actually what's going to work for you uh, longer term. You know, interestingly, as a church, when we were uh, processing this right back at the beginning, 
we made a decision that our finance, banking, giving and everything was going to be online only and that we were going to rule out all the other routes and that we thought that that was actually part of helping people in making that transition in their day-to-day life as well that actually this is how things are going and realistically these days if you can't do some things online uh, then it's getting more it's getting increasingly difficult to uh, to to take part in some of these things and and have, have, have ready access and I think that's the thing is that what traditionally you could do at a desktop in a physical space as well is sometimes prohibitively expensive compared to now what you're able to achieve online with better tools. We've seen church systems transformed when we've shown treasurers who were maybe a little bit older in their role looking at paper-based systems, uh, maybe the odd Excel sheet, showing them something of you know an online accounting package and how it can do so much with receipts and bank feeds and reconciliation for them, like basically a click of a button. It, it is the equivalent of magic at that point. Do you know what I mean? It's removing so much time. It's uh, If it's all set up correctly and things are being brought in as well, you can reduce errors. So it depends. What are you trying to achieve? You know, what are you trying to do? Uh, if you're trying to, you know, lighten the load on volunteers, then great systems and everything um, become part of that. And that, that, again, is the key. What are we trying to achieve? And actually the right systems and policies and procedures that go into play actually then support any any tool that we throw on the top we can basically be tool agnostic what we end up arriving at is kind of irrelevant if how we're going to use it and the decision to get there is all in place because everybody will also know why so the most important thing through all of this is to always understand why we're doing this and why we're going to go online and why we're going to use a particular tool or if you're already using a tool why we're now going to change and use something else which we have a lot of experience of The switch to, to move things online is become is a necessity. It's just gonna it's gonna happen. But I think for those people who are struggling for getting online, you know, maybe some of the older generation, not always. You know, some people they they do absolutely great with that. Um, but for some people who are struggling to get online, I think taking that that time to answer why are we doing this? Why are we? What are we trying to achieve? I think that's a really really key point because I think in terms of rolling something out especially when you're you you know if you're going to roll out a whole project management software for a whole church like you need to be clear as to why you have chosen this one because nothing will get people's backs up quicker than a system that's not been thought through very well yeah and the equivalent thing of that is if you've got employed people on your team and this is all they know then that is all they know that's their, that's their view on this, and they might see it this way, and it, it's a lot easier. Most churches actually have a strong volunteer base, which means that they also have often employed work or other volunteer roles elsewhere. These are people that will end up using multiple systems. Like, don't underestimate the fatigue 
that comes in with people having to learn, oh, another system. Yeah. You know, so we have to listen as well and get the right feedback from the people that we're working with. And sometimes in a in paid employment, and again, most of us will have been there at some point when we've been in a job, you're often just told, we use this and you have no say into it. And then what you see is a tool that's not been properly trained. So people have workarounds and there's foibles and there's quirks in the system and bugs that were never initially worked out that now we all live with, but we blame the tool. Yeah. And then when you say as a church, we were going to bring in that same tool. The instant thing is people go, doesn't work where I work. And it's like, yeah. no, maybe, but we're not comparing like for like at this point of time. But that again, if you can evidence why you've come to the conclusion that it would work in this context, then we've got a great base in order to be able to bring forward the change and bring people with us and actually include them as part of the process. We want to look at collaborative. We want co-designed. And we want systems that are in place by consensus so that we can actually give them the best chance of success. But more than that, that the policies and procedures and the things that help us use them and the training that is rolled out to make sure people are up to speed, that we understand it. And we've all been there when even, you know, silly example. But, Chris, we, 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 we know of a church that both of us know that had uh, that was trying to engage its volunteers to you know and volunteer onboarding but when we went back and asked those people who headed the different departments that needed volunteers there were four or five different systems to getting volunteers engaged onboarded trained equipped and moving forward and progressing that volunteering in one area was not like volunteering in another and actually the issue wasn't that people didn't want to volunteer it was that their entry point to it actually could put them off so you have to standardize some things but you've got to listen You've got to engage the team that you have. You've got to take feedback. Um, and we've got to got to ask the people as well who are ultimately going to use it and actually mm. include them as part of the spec about why we're going to move a particular direction. Yeah, I know from from my own journey with my own church that we were started to use a, it was a project management software. And, you know, not a bad system, but what we didn't realise was the iteration that we had. And I don't know how much it's changed since then. Uh, but we were using smart sheets, which is based upon Gantt charts. And it's, very, it's kind of, it's almost like using Excel, but with a Gantt chart system. And it just didn't work on mobile. And because it didn't work on mobile and majority of, our, you know, our church is volunteer based, like most other churches. So everyone's using their mobile. And so yeah. if it doesn't work on mobile. And then so, so people just stopped using it and said, oh, I can't use it. It's too complicated. And it never got off the ground because of that usability factor and, it, and thinking about, okay, who's going to use this? What, do they, what are they using? They're not going to be sat down at a, you know, a desktop computer with all of their things set up with two monitors. They just, most of them are doing it on evenings. They're doing quick things on their phones. It's got yeah. to work. So usability is really important. And I think it's one of those things we, you know, we talk about, um, you know, a bad workman blames his, his tools. And that's true. And the, on the other side of it, a bad a bad tool will blame the workman, because actually, if if a if a if a tool is not uh, a usable tool, then it yeah. will, you can't just assume that the person using it 
it's an idiot. <laughs> you, actually, it's got, it, we need to find systems and software that's got that usability factor that is easy to use, usable on different platforms, different on yeah. different devices. Oh, well, absolutely. It's like, you know, the right tool for the wrong job. Yeah. We see that come up a lot. So, you know, we say even in our facilitation, like we, we do not breed cookie cutter churches. We don't use one tool set to work with all the churches. We don't believe that all churches are the same. But some people have set up, you know, levels of consultancy that actually are, oh, I have a hammer, therefore every problem is a nail. But actually that that's not that's not the uniqueness of every situation. Now, you know, it might still be a comms problem, but if your team are all invested in one particular, you know, hardware, uh, then you know your 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 options have got to sway towards some of what you've got. And pragmatic as well. Cost has got to factor into this. We are actually stewarding resource. Let's not forget that piece as well. We are actually stewards of all that we have. Therefore, it is upon us to actually make good decisions. But good decisions with time and investment actually cost to make. But in the ultimate, you know, ultimately will save us potentially thousands of pounds in yeah. in time and costs of using these tools as well so you want to make decisions right and finding those criteria is you know and don't stick with a tool that's not working as well if you if you quickly learn when you put something in oh my goodness this actually doesn't do what you want to do don't 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 stick with it to try and push through if it really doesn't work you know work out how you're going to exit as well um, so that you can you can do that again something that we have a lot of experience of Let's get into some talking about some of the the, uh, the apps and software that is available for teams online. Um, let's start looking at some of the project management ones, which is a, probably a, a good place to start. And um, Lee, let's just run us through some of the ones that are available, and um, we can pick up on. I, I've used some of them. You've you used most of them. Um, yeah. So let's let, let's just pick up on that to begin with, and and we'll we can talk around where they're useful and where they're not so useful yeah so i should also probably add that pr- prior to working in uh uh thinking church here with chris and serving churches and working with mostly not-for-profits um prior to that my, my background actually was in uh in, in in corporate world and so i and i worked in a digital agency and that's how I've, I've come across probably more tools than most because they're not only with our own tools, they were also client tools that we had to learn as well as the churches and places that we've, we've been in between. So when it comes to project management, let's face it, we all need to track what we're doing day to day. Some of us do something as simple as keeping a to-do list on paper. Some of us will have migrated that into some form of you know digital journal or notepad. Um, but there are some bigger players out there that do really fancy stuff and help you track in much more detail, such as Asana. Asana is one of the uh, really big players in this arena. Their software has different tiers. 
you can use it quite simply uh, or you can actually like dive in and you can fully manage, delegate, uh, look at time and uh, what well, the more from the, the date side of it rather than time tracking. Uh, but you can, you can build things in and do like very, very thorough project management that most of us would recognize from very large scale projects. Um, might be overkill if you're not operating at that level with all of the stuff you're doing day to day. Then there's uh, people like Basecamp. Basecamp is a very, very uh, simple, but deceptively simple because it is quite a heavy lifting piece of software. It runs as an app. It runs in browser. It's a brilliant, brilliant thing for keeping your team uh, in good communications and tracking the management of what you've got going on. Um, slightly more task orientated, progress orientated, but more about the conversation, the communication that goes with it. Trello. Trello became really well known. It has a free tier that's very attractive to pretty much everybody and uh, very simplistic. Dare I say it, also pretty fun to use. The idea, like Trello is almost kind of got a little bit of cult status because of uh, its kind of like quirky portrayal, um, how, they, how they tell the story of who they are, but also it is quite fun to use. It, it's just nice and simple, very straightforward. Again, a bit deceptive in that, you know, it's very simple to use, but it's also very, very powerful and brings many of the features that you would need in order to see projects through to conclusion. Planner. Now, lots of people will have uh, experience of using Microsoft products. Uh, Planner is essentially that. It is a planning tool that sits within the Office 365 environment. So if you are already using Office 365 to bring things like email and calendars to your organization, Planner is potentially a great next step because for many, many people on certain uh, uh, the, the pay levels of that, it's included. So that makes it very easy, very simple step. And then it's all within one login, very easy to manage. Uh, one that we know less about, but has really, really ramped up their uh, marketing, because I don't think you could go anywhere online if you're looking at these kind of things and not see their adverts, is Monday. Um, again, looks a lot more in the realms of people like uh, Asana and people at that layer, at that level. It's certainly a much more in-depth, uh, thing, but they're, they're certainly trying to be more fun with what they do. Um, and, you know, from, from where we are, though, we only really know them by their advertising because it seems to be relatively new in terms of its marketing, although I think it's a rebrand of a bit slightly older product. Yeah. I mean, so of those ones, so um, we use currently use Asana. Um, yes. And we, but before we use Trello. Um, yes. And um, there's things I really like about Asana. So what I think what it has, and I, I would say is Asana and Planner, which I use uh, at my church, uh, they, they have a lot of similarities. Uh, so they'll use the, the board uh, layout, uh, although Asana also can just do as a to-do list as well. So you can just actually just set things, yeah. okay, just go do this. Planner is just board. Trello is just board as well. Is that right? Yes. Um, and uh, so they all function of those three. I've not used Basecamp or Monday, uh, but they all function in a similar way, using boards, using cards that go on the board. So very visual, very, uh, very easy to use. What I like about Asana is that you can actually, uh, the different boards for different projects, you can uh, almost put them into a, a hierarchy so you can see where they all fit into things. Whereas on Planner, they would all sit in, 
sort of side by side. So you go into yeah. the view and you have to look through all of them. Um, it's a tiny change. Um, and in, in one sense, you're, you know, you're weighing up between those, between those two, you'd be weighing up cost benefit is, is having it all treed out nicely and ha- with a nice hierarchy. Is that worth it? Maybe it's depends. It completely depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, and again, yeah. a Trello is a great option as well. Um, I've not used Basecamp, so I, I wouldn't be able to, to give any uh, sway so on that. But. I get to use Basecamp with uh, a group called the IAF. So that's the International Association of Facilitators, um, of which um, I'm a member and certified professional facilitator. Um, I'm a part of their leadership team, and we use uh, Basecamp uh, for, for managing basically all of that communications. It's mostly chat-based. So it's more about the conversation that goes around it. But it's a great place if you're kind of like lightweight on documents and your project management is about distributing sets of tasks to people, then it is a great way to just manage, you know, lightly and easily. And most people would get on with it, um, especially when you've got that kind of like uh, dispersed set. So we, we all come with our own logins, uh, but then share within uh you know within one place whereas things like asana um and planner you you tend to be by domains so by that mean we mean if you are you know for us we're at thinking.church that's our that's our domain name and our, our email so when we're logging into asana we have a domain linked with it and so it's only users within that domain although we can have guests it kind of like manages it more tightly by organization whereas Basecamp is much more distributed. So if you've got a large volunteer set that you're working with, you're probably looking in the first instance to things like Basecamp and Trello. If everybody that you've got has got uh, matching domain names uh, on their on their email or their organization, then you are probably already in line for one of the bigger players. Now, yeah, as an organization ourselves, we've, we've, we've used them all apart from Monday there. Uh, now, even though we use Office 365 to back and support the other things that we do, the reason that we landed on Asana for project management was this ability to uh, to bring in guests and other providers such as contractors that we work with, especially when delivering some of the larger projects or things that pass over where we need other people to have input. Um, so that, that gave us just some extra flexibility uh, and was uh, it just provided a few more features that were kind of necessary when working with some of our clients over a longer period or where we were doing repeat work where we were um, using the templates and bringing it out. And again, Asana is one that we use with the Unstuck group, uh, where uh, that, 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 that's their um, tool of choice as well for managing all their projects and uh, church assessments and workshops. It's, it's worth knowing that if you, if, to go, if you go down the Office 365 route, so Planner in, in this example, uh, every user, if, if I'm not mistaken, would need their own company or like their own church login like their own church email address so it does yeah. ramp up the number of email addresses so you can go into the you know the dozens you know hundreds potentially thousands yeah. even you know if you want people using that system so it does come with its own administrative administrative um workload as well that's worth noting on that yeah one. and and again this might be where you find that actually for what you've got working with your volunteer teams, their projects might be more task-based and list-based, that you don't you want something that allows you to have slightly more hybrid. Um, so you need to assess what kind of work you're going to do and who needs what and which people need the power at what level. So you know the assessment of the workshop for this is we need to actually work through some scenarios. How 
How do you run projects at the minute? What, who's part of the decision-making process? Do you have project managers? Who's responsible? How many people do you delegate them to? What size team do you work with? These are all things that you need to know before you start committing into products and purchases. And, you know, the interesting thing around uh, project management is that although many people use it, actually having proper product, project management methodology or thinking behind it is, is slightly rarer. And most people genuinely are tracking more of a to-do list. So even when we're putting on like a day's event or a small conference or, you know, the, the, uh, uh, one of the ladies' conferences or, you know, one of your kids' mornings, that actually you, you are looking at more like a checklist over time as things get repeated. Now, the interesting thing about something like Basecamp is that if you've suddenly gone online and this was not even in your thinking until this went on and you're now going, oh, goodness, we need something to track this. Look, Basecamp have a very good free tier uh that allows you to manage a small number of projects with i think it's up to 20 people like that is not a bad place to start if you don't quite know what you need but you need to be moving today um also because if you need to move that into something else later on you will have probably grown or expanded with it so look they're worth taking a look at but don't underestimate and uh you know don't don't neglect uh, how many things you actually have to look at with how you run your current projects in order to make a great assessment. Yeah, and I think probably the, the last thing to say on it is that all of those are probably better than using a paper and pen or using um, you know, an Excel spreadsheet is probably the, uh, yeah, all of them are going to be an upgrade on that. So I think yes. great choices all, all round, really. Um, it's okay, about introducing, do... yeah, it's about introducing accountability. If you need to, if you need to know when something was done and who by, without you having to be in conversation with them all the time, so remotely, you need some level of project management in place. Okay, let's move on to team, communi team communication. Um, okay, what are our options here then, Lee? Uh, well, the answer to that one is it's never Messenger. Uh, <laughs> and that's not just because of my personal dislike of Facebook. No, look, communication, let's let's go through some of this. Like, most of you will probably be a little bit beyond uh, writing letters to everybody within your department. So, you know, we can neglect some of the paper-based ones. Hey, look, there's there's email. Everybody's got email. Uh, there's things then that we know like WhatsApp as a communications platform. We have Slack. And then there is Teams. Now, others exist, but let's face it, these are the big players in this arena. And most people will have experience with one or other of these um, even personally, uh, through their work, uh, through socialising. I mean, let's face it, in, in, during this period of breakdown, we have a WhatsApp group for parents from school. We have a WhatsApp group for people who live on our street. You know, that's, you know, it's a highly utilised piece. We've got Slack teams. We've got uh, teams within uh, Office 365. And Email is a bit of a given these days. Most people are able to enter an email address. Uh, but that's, you know, that's 
kind of not kind of like mass communication. That's uh, that is one to one. People get it and they read it when they get it. And that, and that's the thing that why WhatsApp, Slack, and Teams were really created was because a lot of people were emailing. You know that large. You know they're emailing a whole team, and then you get the reply all. And what happens is, is you reply all, but then someone might be left out on that. And then, yeah. you know, it just can mushroom in terms of the complexity very, very fast. Um, so that just wondering, that you... has, has anybody ever complained about being missed out of a reply all? I think that's like, <laughs> the, that's the, that's the anti uh, mode of where I've ever been. It's sort of like, stop including me. How do I get off this list? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is then people start replying to that. And then you get these kind of like timelines within timelines and it gets so complex. Uh, and that's why things like WhatsApp, Slack and Teams were were invented. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about WhatsApp. Um, I'm sure that most people do, are using do, do we talk about WhatsApp. the mode of conversation with this? Uh, sorry, just, yeah. to, just to check, like. We, we need to understand the difference between like uh, the, the timing of conversation. There is asynchronous. And there is synchronous. So there is the conversation that we have that is, I am talking to you now and you respond now, the real time piece where a conversation is happening and you're expecting response. And then there's the conversation that you have where you will fire in something, but you don't need an immediate response. So you're going to wait on it. And then when somebody responds, you just need to be notified that you have a response. And then there's one-to-one communication and one-to-many communication. So there's the stuff that's more broadcast. And then there is stuff that is more, um, you know, maybe private, but actually, you know, you might be working in that small team. So just, just to have that in mind um, as, you, as, you, as you go through this, but also to have some idea about how, how communication happens within your organization. And again, Maybe organ- maybe communication happens well in your organization. Maybe communication is one of those things where actually we've always known that we could do a little bit better. Look, if you need help with that, there's another area that we can get involved in because, again, it comes down to the processes and what you're communicating, why you're communicating, and when you're communicating before you pick any tool. Otherwise, you're going to bring bad practices from over here into the new world of the things that you're going to do with the new tools so we want to make sure that we bring the right things forward and people know why we're doing it sorry chris no that's that's a like a great thought on that one um with whatsapp i think most people are using whatsapp and um and that's become a, a you know the go-to messenger tool and you can you you can send documents through it and photos yeah. through it and and so it's really really powerful there are for teams. There's some some significant drawbacks, though. Uh, one of those is that as an organisation, as a church, you have no control over that communication. Um, you can't see it. It is people's own personal communication, and so you are not. So if someone is talking about a church activity, they are doing it through their own personal communication. They're not doing it through a church channel. So you have no control on what is said. That is probably yeah. the, the major drawback on that. And also, whilst it has end-to-end encryption, that doesn't mean that you should be starting to talk about personal data on that platform, especially when you're going into maybe pastoral conversations. That yeah. may not be the environment for that. You never know when someone's going to get added and if they read back up the thread. And it's... 
well, come on, it doesn't scale very well. We've we've known people, and to be fair, maybe maybe you're maybe you're watching this and you know you're here now, so like you know, ping, ping us a message with this. But even if somebody's organising a birthday party and it's socially happening and you're doing that in WhatsApp, how quickly does that group get out of hand as you add more people? It's not brilliant at scale. So where it might work with four or five of you in a very tight knit conversation around what's happening to get something led. And it might be good when you're doing something very, very live uh, to have that, you know, that, you know, that way that it's just going backwards and forwards between you. Add in 50 people and see how that works, because it, it, it seems to break down that if anybody responds, how you can go back and see who did what when. Um, it's not it's not brilliant. it is another one as far as i'm aware although there are ways to get it on other devices it's essentially a mobile communications platform and it doesn't quite have the uh the levels and the granularity to actually see the levels of detail that maybe you would need doing anything uh, intricate or well managed so whereas it's not in in itself bad it probably doesn't serve you beyond organizing things in small groups yeah and so on the back of uh, WhatsApp being created and the drawbacks to that, Slack then came in a few years ago. Uh, yeah. Lee, tell me a little bit about what Slack has. So I'm, I'm quite an advocate for Slack. I am in multiple teams. Um, the good thing about it is, is that within the one app, you can belong to multiple Slack groups, which means that sort of like, so I've got one app for Slack. And within that, different organizations I've worked for, different teams I'm part of, different social groups I'm part of, and different learning communities I'm part of are all in there as groups. So I actually now have one place of which much communication can be happening. Now, the thing is, is that they don't overlap. And then within those, within a group, you have your channels and channels can be public or private and as well as all the individual users. So I can have one-to-one -one conversations with people privately in like a direct message. Or I can be talking with people in a channel and I can talk to the whole channel or I can, you know, uh, draw somebody's attention to something by uh, by naming them within that within that comment. And obviously, if it's a private channel, it doesn't appear to those who uh, don't need to be there. And so it's, it's a much more managed solution. Now, a lot of people jumped on Slack in the early days. It has a free platform. It's a free tier for you to get started. There is a free tier. And a lot of the time when you start using it, you realize how good it is and how much communication you can have. But as you grow, I think it's still as beyond once you get beyond 10,000 messages, the old messages start dropping off. You would be amazed at how soon you get past 10,000 messages. If you post something and 50 people just respond with yes, no, yes, no. That's like 50 messages plus the original question. So getting to 10,000 is actually quite quick. Now, you might not need the stuff that's over 10,000 messages old because we're working quite in you know uh, real time and where we are. But if you've started to use that as a repository to put stuff for helping new people join your company and onboarding, you need access to it. The per user cost and licensing when you start paying for it so that you have access to some of the additional features uh, is, is quite expensive for most people. It's very worthwhile if you need that level of control over your communications. 
but um, some people would find it expensive once you get there. And the thing is, is because you can be quite invested in it before you realise you need to start paying, that sometimes it's how do you offset that between do we continue paying now because we feel a little bit like we need access to that old stuff or how do we migrate and move to something new where we've got, uh, you know, where it's cheaper or, uh, you know, maybe uh, a more preferential payment model for us. Yeah. But like Slack, Slack is good. It is a leader. Uh, it has been up there. Uh, it's well recognized. It is well used. They've got lots of stuff in place. They were a little slow, I think, at the beginning on some of the GDPR stuff. But when they did it, they did it right. Um, like it's it's great and we've used it and as a team ourselves chris we've used it up until very very mm-hmm. recently and it's yep. served as well um yeah well yeah and um i i, I used it initially at my church and we, um we used it to uh, a few years ago and i tell you what um and, and, uh, like like we said we, we've used it as thinking church as well we've used we've used uh slack i think the one thing that for me is i don't underestimate how um it's so usable is the one thing but how aesthetically pleasing it is makes it so much more you're so much more inclined to want to use it it's very very uh, you, it's, aesthetics is sometimes one of the last things that you think about and you think okay there's so many more interesting things but in, in terms of wanting to use something you end up wanting to use slack because it looks so great it's so usable it's so user-friendly um, and that's one of its kind of its powers really i i, I think um, and so it, it's, yeah. it's very, very powerful. The issue is scalability, especially in churches. If you want 100 people, 200 people, 300 people on SAC, that is going to become quite costly quite quickly. Yeah, which then brings us on to, as a team, we migrated to using Teams within Office 365. Why? Bluntly, because it's included in already a very cheap price. And it gives us access to everything files documents we we do stuff now some of the things when we talk about you know uh things that we like to do and why communication is essential we've set up channels for check-in so each day we know where people are what they're working on um, and how they're doing um we have them by project we sometimes have them by clients we have the equivalent of a virtual water cooler so we can have those off-topic conversations and post things in as well. And obviously, you can set that up in stuff like WhatsApp and uh, you can set that up in Slack as well. But the movement to Teams was actually pretty painless. Now, a bit like Chris said with Planner, though, in using Teams, everyone's going to need a logon that goes with it that's going to start giving them uh, their own unique access because at the same time, it does deal a lot with retention policies who did what when what was said and kind of gives you some audit trail about uh, how your communications are handled so it's a much more managed uh, solution but that said that is great as an organization if you want to uh, understand what's happening uh, but also if you are about to start having those conversations about pastoral issues and who had access to what how great is it to be able to keep a ready recorded i hate this word, paper trail What's the, what's the term in the new world when this is all digital? Uh, yeah. Audit trail. Audit trail. That's the one. Uh, so this is this is the way to it's, you know it's, it's a great way to do it, and it, it's contextual as well. The only thing that it took me a few few days to get my head around was you can basically strike up conversation from anywhere 
within the system that you want to start talking. If you see an image that somebody's posted, you can start chatting and conversation from that image. You can do it by project, by client. You could do it by, by thread. It takes a little bit of time just to get used to the fact that actually the conversation is modeling a very natural way in which we actually talk and converse about things. So in that sense, it's, it's very, very strong, but it can be a little confusing on days. And even with a relatively small team like ours, we can still check in sometimes and you realize that you've got alerts all over the place. Now, that's also because we jumped to using it, not probably fully understanding that this was its strength, but also potential weakness. So now what we're doing is we're putting our own proper and much more uh, uh, strongly adhered to communications policies and procedures so that actually we've got a bit of uh, an understanding about how we start channels, how we start communications and where conversations will happen. And already, you know, that, 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 that's paying dividend. And we are, we are seeing that used in a, in a much more streamlined uh, manner. But it took us, we just dived in and we got going and we've not really looked back. Yeah, I mean, I've been quite surprised how much it's improved. When, um, when in my church we were using uh, Slack, we then migrated onto trying to use Teams. And actually, it was, that was a few years ago. And it actually, frankly, failed completely because the usability a few years ago, and I think that's one of the things Microsoft does, is they release it quite minimum viable and then try and update it as they go. So there were things that it just wasn't particularly usable at that point. Uh, even things like it, you struggle to get notifications through on your phone. So you just you end up having to get the information rather than it coming to you. You wouldn't get that, the, the ping that comes up. And those kind of things where Slack we already, already had that. Um, but actually, I've been quite impressed about how much it's it's moved on, um, and it's uh, and I think it's quite impressive. There's some really nice features on there. Things like uh, they have a wiki uh, on different teams. So we have a um, we have a, a channel for running webinars, and so we will we'll collaborate on what the things we want to talk about in the kind of the wiki section yeah. of it, which is just a kind of a a common sharing place to put some uh, just some thoughts really it's like a notepad uh, and it works really really well yeah yeah it's great for that lightweight way of uh, uh, conversing and just throwing up you know small amounts of information uh, in a bite-sized manner um, but I think it still comes down to like you know we we did sit as an entire team and plan out what does it look like as a team if we because we're already a remote team. We don't actually live near each other. Um, and our, our four key partners that look after the four elements of our business, uh, we, we're we not in the same towns. We're across the whole of the south of England. Um, so we've worked remote since the beginning. We've had to manage remote since the beginning, um, including some line management that's had to happen remotely as well. So this is a thing that we've been doing for quite a, quite a long while. So the transition to using these tools has always come down to, to the strength of uh, why we've selected it, but also what are we trying to achieve? So we've always been able to have that uh, good thinking and basically workshop things ourselves to understand what we're trying to get out of it and uh, whether this will suit us. But also it might suit us today, but if we have a change come up in the future, we're not going to be so fixed to the tool that we wouldn't be prepared to make a change if it served us better to get us where we wanted to go. Because ultimately, 
things will change and things will move. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, Just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We will see you soon. Bye for now.